This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Arsenal win 4-1 against Newcastle United. Two rubbish claims of a mentality problem. Kai Havertz scores yet again. Bakaya Saka increasing his goal tally. And plenty more exciting stuff to discuss on this very tired Arsenal reaction show. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Raw Reaction Show. Join you every morning at 8am after the latest Arsenal fixture, which of course was yesterday's 4-1 victory over Newcastle. Now, I need to start with an explanation as to why I look horrific. My eyes are sagging. My brain isn't working. I am so tired. I'm so tired. I've had about three and a half to four hours sleep last night to give you a little bit of a an insight into things as to what's going on. Hold on, let me just set the mic. There we go. I didn't have my microphone turned on. You see, I just, I, I'm not with it this morning at all, uh, whatsoever. Um, because last night I set off at about two o'clock in the afternoon uh, to make sure I got up to the stadium in good time, got to the station and uh, and then got on the train, waited for about half an hour to 45 minutes and sat on the train. Nothing moved. Nothing happened. Turns out there's been uh, a landslide further down the line and they can't get a conductor up to the train. So train doesn't go anywhere. They say they're cancelling it and waiting for the next one. But I was like, well, if they can't find a conductor for this train, are they going to be able to find a conductor for any of the trains? I don't know. Anyway, hop in my car. I'm just going to drive up, drive up go through the Blackwall Tunnel, which is closed on the way back, but I'm like, it's going to be fine because I can just go the M25 way, not a problem. Get to the game, do the game. Game's brilliant. We'll talk about that in a second. Leave the game at about half 11 at night because I had to be in the mix zone. Didn't actually get to speak to anyone. The players were just kind of like Saturday night, want to get home. Fair enough. Anyway, not salty about that. <laughs> want to walk to the car, get in the car. Google Maps says, drive through Dartford. You'll be home, no problem. Drive to Dartford, get to Dartford Tunnel, Dartford Bridge, wherever. And there's no way through. It is gridlock traffic at 12 a.m. I was stuck in 12 a.m. gridlock traffic till about two. So two hours sitting there doing nothing. There was a point where I was so stationary, I could just turn the engine off for half an hour. I got my phone out. I started recording the morning show thinking that I was going to be sleeping in the car and then having to drive home at 5am when the bridge actually opened. And uh, so there's like a little two minute clip. And then the, actually, as I started to record, the traffic started to move. So safety first phone goes off and, uh, and got moving. And then I thought, yeah, actually, you know, we, we, I think we're going to gradually ever so slowly move. And uh, the rest is history. I got home about 3am and uh, yeah, it was just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely terrible so yeah i'm working on fumes this morning thank you so much for tuning in please do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you help us do our 1k everyday like challenge really appreciate your support i could really appreciate with your support this morning as well because getting up at seven after getting in at three o'clock to then put together this show um 
I always feel like shows the dedication that I've got to bringing you a show every single week. So thank you to everybody that's continuing to support the channel. It means the world. So hitting 1K every day continues to be the challenge. But Arsenal 4, Newcastle 1. That is how you respond to a mentality problem. <laughs> because what mentality problem? There isn't a mentality problem. Uh, Arsenal have responded to the midweek game in which they were, you know, they expended a fair amount of energy trying to come up with a way in which to score against Porto and it wasn't happening. And I remember that if there was one team that could exercise the same tactics as what Porto had, it is Newcastle United. I remember them coming to the Emirates and stinking the place up in a nil-nil draw, you know, breaking up play, time-wasting, all the things that Porto did so well on Wednesday night. Well, they did it and they tried to do it again, but Arsenal were having absolutely none of it. And it made me a little bit more enthralled, encouraged that when we do face Porto again in a couple of weeks on Wednesday or a couple of weeks on Tuesday, then we will indeed have the the nous, the experience, the quality to get a result in that Champions League game. I also think it shows maybe some of the fickleness. Think about how low the mood was following that Champions League defeat. It was such a low mood. Arsenal have now scored 25 goals in six Premier League games, which includes matches against Newcastle and against uh, Liverpool and away to Nottingham Forest. Not easy games. Not at all. Not easy games by any stretch of the imagination. And Arsenal secured four goals in a brilliant, brilliant performance. And uh, it got kicked off with uh, me just wanting to let Gabriel Magalhaes have another goal. It's not his goal. It's definitely an own goal from Sven Botman in kind of comedic fashion. Um, as Arsenal set pieces again, coming to the fore again, getting the uh, the goals that Arsenal need. I just want to give Gabriel the goal, don't you? You really, really do. He celebrated it like he scored it. An amazing uh, header uh, in that moment. And again, set pieces just continue. We've got more to talk about with set pieces in a little bit, but you just want to give it to Gabriel. But Lauren Loris Carius was announced as being Newcastle's goalkeeper. That certainly, I think, provided some further encouragement if you like um and further uh <laughs> happiness i think when we saw the uh the goal so yeah uh massive thank you to to gabriel megalash for kicking things off and uh, and it certainly we didn't really look back from that point because soon after that kind of have had the ball in the back of the net yeah again um brilliant ball from Jorginho, who i'll talk about in isolation a little bit the run from martinelli again martinelli had an absolute stonker of a game utterly utterly brilliant um the touch it's something about professional footballers specifically arsenal footballers i always think they've taken a touch that is too heavy and the thing is because my infinitesimally smaller brain compared to these footballers in footballing terms at least um cannot comprehend how to touch a football in a way in which you can hit it ahead of you but you can backspin it to the point whereby it slows down just before the touchline like Martinelli and Saka did in this game on numerous occasions and then the cutback to Havertz who is in the right place at the right time this man's movement is elite it is up there with the best players in the world the rest of his game, absolutely, we need to continue seeing improvement. We need to see more. We need to see more justification of why we bought him, without doubt. And obviously, he should have had another goal and is finishing in the second half or at the start. If he'd have scored that, brilliant. I mean, he takes harder chances. He scores harder chances than the one he missed. It's one of the easiest chances he's had all season, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, to be fair, the one he did score was was a cutback, just one-on-one -on -one with, with, with Loris Carrius. But... It's one of the easiest chances he's had. <laughs> and he, he sadly put it just wide of the goal. He was in one of those positions where you're in the right in the middle of the goal. And if you're a left-footed player, you probably have to go to the keeper's right. But he goes for the keeper's left and uh, just skewed it quite past. Um, fantastic performance. And I'm so glad that we have people in the chat box like Magambo, who is one of the biggest critics we've got in our chat box, and says, oh, here we go. Havertz is hype, man. What is the problem with some Arsenal fans? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? It's such of a weird behaviour from some of our supporters that just do not want to see this man get the credit that he deserves. He is two goal contributions behind James Madison now this season. He's had injuries. Sure. Well, you bought a player that gets injured all the time. That's your problem, not mine. Uh, you moan about Arsenal buying players that are injured, yet you wanted James Madison. But, you know, he's, he's never available. He's never playing. Uh, Havertz is now two goal contributions behind him in the Premier League. Um, in fact, I think he's got more perhaps across the season. And uh, not only that, but he uh, that Doku prediction, 
I will continue to tweet. I will continue to tweet you, all of you, with my Doku hot take from November because it is looking pretty darn good. Seven games is now scored or assisted in compared to Doku's three in the Premier League. Uh, <laughs> it just makes me feel a little bit warm and fuzzy inside whenever Kai Havertz. And I think there is, from 99% of the fan base, without a doubt, without question, there is no way that you can tell me this is wrong. But whenever Havertz gets close to the goal, there is more of a willingness from the fans for it to go in. I get this sense that everybody now wants him to succeed. Everybody wants this guy to deliver. And I think that's a great place to be. A great place to be as a fan base is when you have just like this cult following in a really positive way around a player. And I don't know if you feel it as well, but whenever Havertz gets into those positions, it's just like there's something different in the crowd, something different for those watching at home, different in the pubs, that when it's Havertz, there's an even greater pleasure of seeing him score. And that's because of all the, the criticism that he's got, all the hate that he got. And that just shows the really positive side of the Arsenal fan base. Now, Bukayo Saka, we have to talk about Bukayo Saka because now he is on a silly, 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 silly number of goals and assists so far this season. And his finish again was something that he's been trying to do for a number of weeks. It's a goal that we've not necessarily seen. He's got 13 goals and eight assists so far this season. He has scored in the last five consecutive Premier League games. Bukayo Saka's numbers are hilarious. They're a joke and they're gloriously fantastic. And he continues to show why he is world-class and why he is one of the best players in the world and why he is so important to what we do. That winter break, what did they put in the water? What did they put in the water? Because this team, since that winter break and since that trip to Dubai, have just been utterly and entirely different. Now, we've got another international break coming up. We've got a game against Sheffield United. We've got a game against Brentford. We've got a game against Porto. And then after those games, we've got a break. And then there's an international break. I don't think we'll have the Chelsea game. I really hope that we do, but I don't think we will. And if that indeed does happen, it means, of course, the next game will be Manchester City right after that international break. And I just think that uh, we're now in a situation where uh, I just don't want to stop seeing us play football. And it sucks that we're not playing again until Monday. I don't know how we keep having these really long breaks between games. Surely these games are going to be coming thick and fast soon towards the end of the season after this next international break. Surely we we'll are be playing like two games a week at this point. It's just such a joy to watch a player like Bakaya Saka do the things that he does on such a regular basis. And I wish we could be treated to it even more. Uh, oh, and a quick little story from behind the scenes, actually. I was in the mix zone, as I mentioned at the start of the show, but sadly wasn't able to speak to any of the players because they wanted to get home on a Saturday night, which I, I respect. And as I say, I'm definitely not sorted about that whatsoever. But um, Gunasaurus comes out the lift uh, down the bottom by the tunnel. Bakaya Saka's um, signing some autographs and taking some pictures with the, the supporters that have been given the, uh, the match day experience there. And Saka has this brilliant moment with Gunasaurus where he gives uh, where he gives him a high five and then starts bashing <laughs> the mascot's kind of um, the face of the dinosaur of Gunasaurus. It was a great moment, and it was just a nice little quip to see down in the uh, in the mix zone. Uh, so yeah, that was that was brilliant. Uh, Jakub Kivio, I think he's started to become a bit of a hit. Is the jury still out? Sure, the jury's still out. I'm happy to say that. But right now. If we were talking and doing our, I remember our, we did our lists of, of hits and misses at the club and the signings that we'd made. No one's putting Jakob Kivior in the miss list right now, are they? No one. I think some people are more likely to put him into the, the hit list than the uh, the miss list. I think for me, sure, the jury's still out and we're still waiting. We're still kind of assessing. We're still waiting to see um, what, um, what comes of, of this player. But since we've changed our defensive setup, since we've moved ourselves into this role of using um, Ben White as the inverter and Kivior as the, the more traditional left-back, the Polish international has been a, a revelation at this position. And not only that, you have to understand that this guy's been playing week after week after week. We've had no breaks. He's had no reprieve, no respite because of the, the injuries that we've got to Tommy Asuman, because the injury we've got to Zinchenko and the injuries that we've got to Yuri and Timber. He is the only left-back we've got. And he's not even a left-back. And he is playing to a very high standard. And I've been very, very impressed with what I've seen from Jakob Kivior. So I hope that he keeps it up. Fantastic header. Great moment for him. Love the celebrations. He's really part of this group. There's always something about a player that comes in that doesn't necessarily, uh, isn't familiar with the language, that you're always going to think, are they going to fit in? Are they going to struggle to 
to integrate. But there is a family factor about this team. Kivior is so loved by this group now. Um, and I hope that he continues to be um, brought into the different little cliques and the little groups that are in certainly the Arsenal squad in a positive way. Because uh, as he learns the language, as he becomes more familiar with the surroundings, you can see why there's so many Italian teams like Milan and Napoli now interested in him. He is, uh, he's going nowhere. And Arsenal shouldn't be selling him unless they get a silly amount of money for him because he's proven to be a very astute piece of business by Arsenal. That is for sure. But Martin Odegaard is the best player in the league, full stop. I don't think I even need to elaborate on this at the moment. Do I need to elaborate on this at the moment? Can I say much more than that slide says there? Martin Odegaard is the best player in this league. He is the best player in this league right now in terms of form. You know, we can talk about how good players are on paper. But if we want to talk about how good a footballer is, just how good they are, how much they influence a game, how much they perfectly execute their role, all of these things, Martin Odegaard is currently the best footballer in the Premier League. I'm not going to elaborate anymore on it because it's just that period. David Raya, I thought, actually had a good performance as well. Yes, we conceded. Yes, it was another looping shot, which comes off the post. I, like both Laura and James in our live event on Thursday, and I think I spotted Laura in the chat box as well. Uh, good morning. Um, I think that those looping shots that just curl away from the keeper, they have no chance of reaching. I'm just not pointing fingers at Raya for either of the last two goals that we've conceded. But I thought he, in a really positive moment, was dealt with that one-on-one with Almiron really, really well. I thought his distribution was excellent. I thought he was really calm on the ball. There were moments where he was under pressure and delivered the ball perfectly. There was a couple of really long balls through to Kai Havertz that nearly worked out in our favour as well, that were really well executed. There's a reason why David Raya is starting. There is a reason why David Raya is winning this race and it is number one. And people don't like it. People don't want to talk about it as much. People like Aaron Ramsdale. I like Aaron Ramsdale a lot. But Mikel Arteta made this signing because he has decided that we need to take things to another level. And Raya is gradually proving to me and I hope to you and plenty of others that he is indeed a keeper that does take us up and that he is an improvement in that position. And he is executing what Arteta wants from a goalkeeper more than what um, Aaron Ramsdale was doing. Now, that's not a slight on Aaron Ramsdale at all. He's been a brilliant goalkeeper for us. And I still think he's been personally hard done by in certain games and think he should have played those Champions League group stage games. That's just my opinion. But I can't fault the decision when things are going so well and when he is directly contributing to those performances with his own performances. And for that, I think you have to give the credit towards him. Now, I lastly want to just single out one more player, and that is Jorginho. Uh, he picked up the Man of the Match award for TNT Sport, which I thought could have gone to a number of players on the night. But he has this ability to just seamlessly drop into one of a really intense, high-pressure game. And I trust me, I'd be starting this guy against Porto in the Champions League. I don't care if Partey's fit. Jorginho starts against Porto if he's fully fit and ready, because there's always question marks about how ready he is to start and play full 90s. He came off at the end of the game, looked like had a bit of cramp. You know, he played a bit in Porto, come back, plays three days later from the start. So I think there's some question marks about how often he can play, how he can um, kind of put down a 90-minute performance. But for me, I don't care if Partey's back fit. Jorginho starts with Rice against Porto when we play them in the return fixture because he's so good at this mid-block, um, the way of beating the mid-blocks, the little chip ball in behind, the composure on the ball, the way in which he finds his teammates, the calmness, the intelligence that he possesses. Jorginho has been one of the best cheap signings Arsenal have ever made. Ever made. 12 million quid is what he costs. And I remember sitting here, was it here? Yeah, I think I was still at this house during that. Yeah, I definitely was. Sitting here in that transfer deadline day and everyone was fuming that we didn't get Moises Caicedo and this signing was getting absolutely battered left, right and centre. What's the point of this? Another Chelsea reject. We didn't need him. Get gone. Boring. Edu out. All that BS. You know, he has proven to be one of the best cheaper signings that we have made. One of the best... Edu and Arteta signings that have been made. He has provided such good depth, such quality, 
He starts in big games. That Liverpool performance will go down. If Arsenal are to win the league this season, which is a big if, if they are, that performance will go down in Arsenal folklore for that performance because it was unbelievably good against, at the time, the league's best team. And not only that, but he's come back into another really important game and had a fantastic performance yet again. So props again to Jorginho. And lastly, we have to talk about, of course, Mikel Arteta. Um, he's just instilled something in, in this team that is so special that we could have a damaging, damning, painful, borderline embarrassing at some stage because of how the game ended, but I think that might be a bit too harsh. But such a poor performance overall because we were kind of worked out and all the questions come out. He's being questioned about his European record. His team's being questioned about their mentality. They have to then play a Newcastle side that have had a week to prepare to come to the Emirates. And they've had a day of recovery and training on Friday before they then face this Newcastle team on Saturday night under the lights with that pressure. And Mikel Arteta has just instilled this brilliance into this Arsenal team that just says, stuff you. Ignore the hate, ignore the critics, ignore the idiots. We're just going to take this game with a scruff of the neck and go and score four goals again. He has just, it's, I run out of superlatives to describe Mikel Arteta and, and his management of this team and his improvement of individual players and his instilling of such a great culture around the club, the connection, the re-establishment of the connection between the fans and the club. His desire to want to see noise, his desire to want to see a cauldron of hostile atmosphere for the visitors. Because trust me, he is behind the reasons as to why there is so much going on around the ground, the attempts to make it louder, the why Arsenal were so willing to work with some other groups to for these, uh, uh, for kind of the flags that we saw yesterday, um, the pre-match media. Arteta is a key part of that decision-making and pushing to get these things going because he knows the importance of it. He knows the importance of his side needing, of course, a bit of a help, a bit of a kick up the backside from their own fans. And last night, the Emirates was brilliant. It was great. I wanted maybe to see a little bit more noise, but I thought it still was excellent. The fire, the flags, the the tracks, props to Peter in the DJ booth. Um fantastic work from all involved in getting that to what it was and the effort the club did to, to try and get people into the stadium sooner with of course the uh, incentives that we spoke about as well and uh yeah brilliant fantastic and uh Mikel Arteta deserves all those props as he usually does he's proven to be quite the manager right let's go to part two and your questions then right after this Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay then, sorry, I was just sipping the tea. I needed the caffeine this morning. I'm one of those people that like can't, once they're up, go back to bed. I really struggle with it. And last night I sat there going, yeah, I'm going to do the show. I'm going to get up because I had three and a half hours sleep and I knew that was going to be the case. And I'm going to go back to bed after the show. And now I've done, now I'm doing the show. You wake yourself up and then it gets to like five o'clock this afternoon. I'm going to be like, <sighs> so yeah, but uh, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I just can't go back to bed once I'm up. It just doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, please do drop a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Uh, there's over a thousand of you watching crazily across all of our platforms, which is fantastic. Thank you um, to those that are tuning in. And uh, if you are tuning in for the first time in a few days at 8am, I appreciate you. 
and uh, we do our 1K every day like challenge. If you're thinking that I only do these shows after match days, I don't. I do them every day at 8 a.m., whether or not I got in at 3 a.m. the night before, like last night, whether or not I went to bed at like 7 o'clock at night, like uh, the older man I'm growing up to be. Um, please do drop a like if you haven't done so already. Right, let's jump into the chat and tackle some of these comments and questions. First of all, the North Bank, thank you so much for becoming a brand new member. The North Bank was excellent last night uh, at the Emirates Stadium. The flags, the noise, the chants, the AA did a good job. Uh, James Monroe, um, thank you so much kindly for the donation, but you needed not leave a donation to have this message read out. Uh, last night, I found out the missus is pregnant. How do I convince her that Thierry is a good name for the Lil Bean? <laughs> Baby Gouda incoming. James, massive congratulations to you. Another Gouda in the world uh, soon to be. I say that, you know, obviously some some people that have uh, children have to have the debate with their other half about who they're going to support. I am going to be in one such problem one day myself. But um, I'll take them to Charlton. They can go to Charlton for a game and then I'll take them to Arsenal and then they can pick what they prefer, you know. Just see. We'll see what they prefer. Um, take them into the, the press lounge and meet the players and stuff. <laughs> see who wins. Um, Kunle says, um, Tom, Havertz has a really poor first touch uh, is his problem. He gets into fantastic positions, but his first touch is almost always a miss. Not true. Um, his first touch is not almost always a miss. Sometimes it is a miss, granted, absolutely. But I hate these absolutes. I hate this hyperbole that, that surrounds not just Havertz, loads of players. It's like we want to attach labels. He can't finish. He can't touch the ball properly. He can't head the ball. He can't make saves from 30 yards. He can't distribute. You know, he can't deal with one-on-one -on -one situations. And the reality is that we use and throw out these kind of like absolutes like this, as in, his first touch is almost always a miss. That's not true at all. Sometimes his first touch is not perfect. Sometimes it can be better. But it is frustrating, I think, that we are sometimes throwing out these absolutes like they're truth. They're not. Yeah, it can be better. But there were some really fantastic touches from Havertz in yesterday's game. And, and I hope that people appreciate that as well. Um, Laura says, come on, peeps. The man has had three hours sleep. Indeed. It's, uh, oh, it's, <laughs> I'm going to be feeling this pain later. Uh, Lee says, Tom, does it concern you the lack of strength and depth when the subs are made coming up? We are not going to be three or four up. We're needing a goal and you can't see one coming of those fringe players. And at the moment, Lee, we've got loads of injuries and the players are on the bench that are coming on like Nketiah and Smith Rowe and Nelson. They're not in the flow of things, are they? They're not playing regularly. So when three of them come on at once, which is what happened last night, naturally the flow of the game is affected by that. It's not a surprise to see the levels drop quite considerably because these are people coming on that are, yes, fitter and fresher and they've not had as many minutes, but that in itself is also a reason as to why suddenly the, the connectivity, the flow, the form isn't as ferocious as it was when we had the players that were starting. Um you know, Trossard was probably the brightest of the group, and that's because he's been playing, and that's an un that's not surprising. Soon we're going to get some more quality back in the team. Though Jesus was on the bench last night. I was glad he didn't come on. We didn't need to see him come on. He didn't need to come on, and, and we didn't need to risk him. So let him rest up. Fabio Vieira, of course, has returned as well. And, and maybe when the, we play Porto next, which is in, you know, six... Uh, no, how long? Uh, six. Yeah, 16 days' time, just over two weeks' time. Um we will be in a position where we've got Jesus back fully fit. We've got Zinchenko back. We've got Tomiyasu back. We've got Partey back. We maybe, who knows? Could we see Yuri and Timber? I don't know. I did see Yuri and Timber yesterday. Um, and he walked through the, the mix zone. It wasn't like he was striding through the mix zone. It's probably the best way to put it. Like <laughs> He didn't like walk through as if he's going to be out on the training pitch tomorrow. So maybe he's just being cautious, but uh, it didn't strike me as a player that's going to be coming back soon still yet, but who knows? What do I know? Um, uh, sorry, says, uh, by the time we play Porto, we might have Zinchenko, Tommy and Jesus and party, or maybe even Timber or Fit, like, like I just said, and gunning for a starting position will surely blow them away. And I want a battering to shun all of the critics. Absolutely. My... Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Well, hopefully that is what the reality is. That is the reality that we hope for. 
Um, let's go to Alvin Rod who says, how do I become a member? I'm on iPad and I can't see any buttons for memberships, just super chats. Um, yeah, it's really on iOS. The membership's not a great format. You might need to hop onto your laptop if you've got one or go on Safari, um, on your iPad. Sometimes that can work. If you go to the link in the description, there's a link tree and, uh, there's a little discord and memberships tab in that link tree that, that hopefully will give you the link. You might need to do it on a, a laptop or Android device if you've got one though, but thank you for asking the question. Um, game shot says, do you know what grinds my gears when people say that Mikel Arteta, uh, Arteta or Siri Aya, I don't know what this is, where this is going and how obvious is it that Kai and Odegaard are reluctant to use their right foot. That's it. Rest is, pretty effing great at the moment um i don't know what you're talking about when people say michael arteta arteta oh oh so people are saying arteta and seri uh <laughs> rather than michael arteta and seri ah uh. you know i had someone leave a comment yesterday who was complaining about our pronunciation of jurian timber because it's jurian timber not urian timber and look i don't mind when people want to correct my pronunciation when you do it in a way that's not to use game shots phrase effing rude <laughs> you know i don't mind my pronunciation being connected correct at all in fact i encourage my pronunciation to be correct on things but just say it politely you know i get up at 8am every day to this show i think i could be forgiven a couple of missteps with pronunciations um but uh <laughs> it is mechalateta and seri ah um but uh yeah I, I understand frustrations about pronunciations but i also do think that you know there are a lot of things in this world that aren't going particularly great. There are things that don't need to be made so angry about, and pronunciations is certainly not one of those. Um, Popeye says, I feel like Smith Rowe is um, a sweet goal away from rediscovering how good he is. And yeah, there was a moment where I thought he was going to do that as well. Uh, Front Yard says, wait, Tom, can we talk about Martinelli? I feel like he's been so good these past few games. If he got his head on the ball from that sack across, we wouldn't be shutting up about him. No, we wouldn't. We would be talking about him more if he scored. And he did come onto that header a little bit too quickly. Um, it was a fantastic cross from Saka as well. And it was very unlucky on his part that he didn't get it. But he has been so energetic, electrifying, dynamic, and he wants to make things happen as Martinelli. And he's looked really, really, really good. So yeah, very, very, very happy to to see him playing how he is, which is, yeah, again, great. Uh, Innocent Alema says, Tom, some Arsenal fans should just enjoy the game rather than making the game about Havertz. I don't know who's making the game. I don't even make the game about Havertz. I think that sometimes people get confused that there are so many characters you can have in a tweet. Articles need to have a focus. Videos need to have different focuses. Havertz deserves credit. And I want to be in the group that are building the guy up. I don't want to be in the group of people that are knocking the guy down, especially as an Arsenal fan. My instinct as an Arsenal fan is to support. My instinct as an Arsenal fan is to look for reason as to maybe why things don't initially go well. And then if things aren't continuously going well, when we've got things to criticise, we'll criticise. But my instinct, my priority is always to build. It's not to break down, other than it's a tactical breakdown. <laughs> Um, but uh, in that regard, yeah, I, I never really understand the encouragement that people have for criticism or for critique. As a fan, it feels like the primary should always be to look to build, to look for reason, to look for encouragement. And then you can talk about the balancing criticisms that are there. But why not? Why not give the guy? I mean, here, our resident Manchester United fan, Luke Shaw, in the chat box, who might be out to the end of the season, apparently. Says, football first. Havertz has played well. The man deserves his flowers. Any other mindset is poor thinking. And look, and I hate to bring this up, Luke, um, but Manchester United yesterday showcased, I think, an Arsenal side of the past um, where mentality, where naivety uh, comes into play. And Ten Hag spoke after the game about the bigger picture. He said... You know, I'm really happy with the bigger picture. And if you look at the bigger picture, you know, it's it's a lot better. But it's not. And I think certainly that Eric Ten Hag has massively underperformed as Manchester United head coach with the resources that he has had, which are, I'd be interested to see how much he has spent since he took over at Manchester United 
be very intrigued to see how much has been spent since he took over. I, I actually might do a comparison about that with him and Arsenal because the way in which that that project is going, and I know they've just had a big takeover and they're going to see some changes and they've, they're looking to make some really good appointments at the club, which is to, to Manchester United's credit. But one of the worst things they'll do is keep Ten Hag and I hope they keep him for a very long time. His mindset of excuses, his mindset of lingering where what Arteta can do is Arteta can just accept when things aren't good enough. Listen to what he said after the game against Porto when he spoke to the media and said how things were unacceptable, how they played was unacceptable and it was not good enough in that game. I'm trying to find the the specific words that he used. Um, I'm trying to look at the press conference now, but if you read through, so it might have been in his media bit rather than the actual press conference bit, but uh, I he, he doesn't, he sometimes gives credit to the opposition, which I think is fair, but yeah, let me read this from the press conference. He was asked if he was surprised by the performance. He says, no, obviously we're very disappointed by the way that we gave the game away at the end and not managing that situation well enough and you get punished in the Champions League if you cannot win uh, if you cannot win, don't lose it. We really dominated the game, but we lacked purpose, especially in the first half, to have much more aggression, to break lines, to play forward, to generate much more threat in their back line. In the second half, there were much better things, and we generated a lot of situations without really creating much from it, but we'll learn from it. Now it's clear, it's half time. If you want to be in the quarterfinals, you have to beat your opponent, that's clear, and that will be the purpose and the plan with all of our supporters together to do it. Arteta takes ownership he spoke about things not being good enough. And I think in the in the TV interview afterwards, he said things weren't good enough. Ten Hag, like, is still thinking about that Arsenal game. That should be done. It should be gone. It's a thing of the past, you know? Even Arteta, think about what happened against Newcastle away from home this season. Yes, Arteta was asked about the history, but he's, he moved on from it. He didn't linger on it. He didn't moan about it anymore. It's done. It's finished. This is a new game. And Arteta won't linger on those things. Arteta will own up, take whatever he needs to take and celebrate what needs to be celebrated and initiate and deploy a plan that is going to give Arsenal the best way of winning. I don't want a manager that's constantly looking for excuses, constantly looking for reasons as to why what he is ultimately doing is not good enough. I don't want that. I want accountability. I called for accountability at Arsenal at the end of Arsene Wenger's era, throughout Unai Emery's era, and at the start of Mikel Arteta's era as well. I've always called for accountability at Arsenal Football Club. And now we have a manager that, manager that brings accountability. And if you don't have a manager that brings accountability, it is only going to head in one direction inevitably. And if I was Manchester United's ownership, I'd be looking to get rid of Eric Ten Hag very, very quickly. Uh, Oki says, Tom, is it concerning to you that all of our recent big victories, as soon as Arteta brings in Nketiah, Nelson, etc., we lose our attacking edge and the team looks less solid. Again, I've kind of tackled this already today, um, Oki, but just quickly on maybe something I didn't cover, is we took off our best player, and I think the best player in the league, in Martin Odegaard. He came off the field for Emil Smith-Rowe, who is a good player, but is completely different to Erdegaard in terms of his style. He's more direct. He's not as creative. And so, therefore, Nketiah isn't playing with an Erdegaard behind him. You know, he's not playing with that presence. He's playing with Smith-Rowe there. He's playing with Trossard on the left-hand side, which I actually think is his worst position. Uh, actually, not his worst. I think he's... he's, he's there are other positions maybe that he's not as good at as, as the left-hand side. That was probably harsh, especially maybe the eight or the right. But I, I like Trossard in the middle. I think that's where he is. That's where he shines uh, the most, Trossard, when he's in the box and playing internally. And I think that that's the reason. is We took three players off, Odegaard, Havertz, and Saka. They're the three players that came off. And we replaced Odegaard, Saka, and Havertz with Nelson and Ketia and Smith-Rowe. Now, is it shocking that the performance has dropped when those three came off and those three came on? No, of course it's not. Of course it's not a shock at all. So, no, Oki, I don't think it's a concern. Ultimately, those changes are made in a game where you're leading by four goals. And in a game where you need a goal, you don't make those changes. They're not the changes that you make. 
you might make one for one in terms of Jesus for Nketiah sometimes. If you want to bring on a bit of a, a finisher and you're getting the ball into those positions and Jesus isn't performing, you know, you might bring off a deeper midfielder for Smith Rowe. In those games, you're ultimately going to make those types of changes. You're never going to make that three-person change in a game in which you are looking to win and you're not going to take those three players that you took off um, to do that. So no, Oki. I understand the question and why you asked it, but for me, no. Clive's in the chat box. Big hello to Clive. Uh, good to see you, Tom. What a day. Yeah, Clive. It was uh if you live near if you live near London than me, I bet it was a great day. But if you lived where I live, uh outside of that 90 minutes, it was a hell. <laughs> it was an absolute hell. Um, and yeah, that's why you're seeing with the, the bags under my eyes that I, I do have. Um Let's go to uh, let's let Luke respond to the United thing. Um, at United, the whole system is bad. It needs a serious overhaul, and things are going to get bad before they get better. And it's going to take a while. It is going to take a while. And I think that absolutely, Man United should be invested in a project manager. I just think you're building the project around the wrong manager with the wrong principles and the wrong philosophy. I think he's perfect for Ajax. I think that team. He's, he's he's great at Ajax. I think there are reasons why he's great at Ajax. But sometimes there are coaches that do well at these clubs like Ajax, where they can dominate the majority of the league, where they've got a constant supply of fantastic players that dominate so many other teams. But when it comes to making Manchester United great again, he is not the guy. He is just not the guy. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'd... Manchester United fans should be desperate for their own Mikel Arteta, should be absolutely desperate for their own Mikel Arteta. And it sucks they've not got that. And they might not get that because I don't think there is that for Manchester United at the moment out there. But uh, it's probably better than uh, than Ten Hag. Um, Rance says, Tom, can you show us the beautiful field tilt statistics? Hey, that's not my job. It's not my job. If you want field tilt, Go to the different knock. Alex will bring you those. <laughs> I'm not field tilt, man. That's not me. Uh, I'll give you plenty. I'm XG guy. I'm happy to be the XG guy. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. In fact, our XG has been a joke. Like, not only have we been outperforming our XG, but like, you look at the XG comparison between us and our opponents, the difference, the XG difference is brilliant. We had 2.72 XG according to XG philosophy. Newcastle had 0.1. Eight. 0.18. At half time, they had zero. At one point during the game, Newcastle and Arsenal's touches in the final third. Arsenal, James Bench told me this, 124 touches in the final third for Arsenal at one point. Newcastle, one. One touch in the final third. I think that was in the first half I was told that stat. You know, it's... What Arsenal are producing, what Arsenal are doing, you think about what we limited Man City to the XG that they had. If you think about that and that game, it was unbelievable. In fact, let me see if I can find the statistics for that game from XG Philosophy, which is, by the way, if you don't follow them, they are a brilliant, brilliant follow. Um, and let me see if I can find the Arsenal-Manchester City XG Philosophy stats. Uh, October 8th. So we limited them to 0.65 XG during that game uh, in 2023. We actually already had less XG. And that game was always about limiting theirs. It wasn't necessarily about building up our own opportunities to score. It was staying in the game. That's how you beat Man City. That's how you get a result against Man City. It's by staying in the game. And that's what's most important. Now, in the, uh, in the um, Community Shield... At halftime, Manchester City had an XG of 0.05. Now, Cole Palmer obviously scored their goal and they ended up with an XG of 0.95. They had a much better second half. But in that first half of the Community Shield, Man City had 0.05 XG. I don't think they... Did City have a shot on target against us in that game? Um, at the Emirates, in the league rather as well. Like Haaland, I don't think, had a shot all game. And then you look at the XG against Liverpool... Um, this season, if I can try and find it, uh, where is it? Twenty February 4th. Arsenal had a 3.76 XG against Liverpool and Liverpool's XG was 0.41. Stunning. Like it's, it's stunning what Arsenal are producing in these games. 
the difference, the goals, the chances, the creation, the dominance, the cutthroat ruthlessness of some of our play. And I love the way in which our centre-forward works, whether it's Havertz, whether it's Trossard, whether it's Jesus. There's something about the style of centre-forward that we have that just works. And that's why when it comes to the centre-forward discussions, I don't know if any of you saw Edu's comments yesterday, um, but Edu was making some very, very interesting comments um, about the, the striker situation. Let me see if I can find you all of them um, in their entirety, just so I get those quotes correct. Because um, he was talking about, he actually mentioned the striker, which I thought was very, very interesting. He says, um, and was asked the question uh, about um, the striker situation. And he said, uh, to be fair, there's a lot going on at the moment, he said to TNT Sports. Um, my role isn't just looking after the first team, it's looking after women and the academy as well. There are a lot of things to do, but of course, we're learning uh, ahead of the summer. I understand why the, why the fans are asking for a number nine. That, by the way, those words is very interesting. The fact that he said, I understand why the fans are asking for a number nine. Now, you can look at that, and I'll carry on with the quote in a minute, but I find that fascinating. I find the fact that he said that really, really intriguing because now you can look at that a number of ways. You can either say, well, it's because, you know, we want a striker. We just want a striker. And it's as simple as that. But I think it's because he, I think he says, I understand why the fans want a number nine. I think he thinks it's because he's looking at what City have. I think he's looking and thinking about Erling Haaland. That's what I think Edu's thinking about. And that's why I think he thinks this team and these fans and we are talking about strikers. It's not just because of goals. And technically, can it really be because of goals? Can it be because of the goals we're scoring? We're scoring plenty of goals, you know. Um, our goal difference, I think, is now still the best in the league. I think he says, I understand why the fans were on number nine. I think it's because of what we're up against. I think it's because what Man City have is the reason he said that. But anyway, he carries on. I understand why the fans are asking for, um, by the way, he didn't say a number nine, but he was talking about a striker. Um, I understand why the fans are asking for uh, a striker, um, but we already have our targets planned. We know what we're going to face, and I'd be worried if we weren't scoring goals or creating chances, but we are doing that right now. The plan is to try and get every, get better every year. We're at a good moment right now, and so it's about improving step by step. Edu and the recruitment team at Arsenal and the ownership from Josh Kroenke downwards, you know, to all the people involved from the scouting, the recruitment team, Richard Garlick, even Vinay Venkateshim and the role he plays in the squad and, and how he's moving on at the end of the season, of course, and of course, all the way through to Mikel Arteta has been a testament to Arsenal's progression in the way in which we've moved one way, in one direction, from a team that was in just this monotonous bilge of Europa League, maybe. Can we get top four playing some awful football under Unai Emery? I don't give a toss about whether or not he was backed the same as Arteta. I don't care. There was never the amount of promise in that manager at Arsenal than there has been under Arteta. Just period. It's just facts. You know, the, the only people, the only people that still talk about Unai Emery are those that are just embarrassed by how Mikel Arteta has embarrassed them and those views. It's just my opinion. It's just my opinion. But there is no reason to talk about Unai Emery's tenure at Arsenal. And if you're talking about it in 2024, there's something dodgy going on there. It's just something something not quite right. <laughs> Mikel Arteta has taken his club in one direction. And the work that he and Edu has done with the squad, with the, the recruitment, with the building of this team, with the the construction of a squad that, yes, has still got things that need to be improved, that, yes, is still not perfect, that, yes, is still not there with, um, with, with Manchester City in terms of the same level. And can you really be surprised? They spent 1.2 billion plus under Pep Guardiola during his tenure. Of course, their squad's going to be unbelievable. And there's question marks around it as well. But when it comes to what Arsenal have been able to do in uh, moving into his fifth full season in 2024, we're in the fourth full season at the moment, is brilliant. It's beyond what I thought was possible. And it now needs to deliver. And as I talk about, the next contract 
will define Arteta's tenure at Arsenal. The next contract, which will happen, I'm happy to go out on a limb, it will happen. Arteta will get a new contract. That contract is the contract where he has to deliver the title, the Premier League or the Champions League. He has to do what Jurgen Klopp did for Liverpool. He has to deliver the title. He has to deliver a Champions League. He has to deliver a something where we can go, this project succeeded. The project for me is succeeding right now. It's not a success yet because it's difficult to say something is a success when you've not won anything outside of that FA Cup that we won in 2020. But it's succeeding in terms of moving, in terms of being that fluid process moving forwards. It's succeeding, going in the direction I want it to go. And I think it can get to that level of where it can achieve the Premier League and the Champions League. But it has to. It has to. And MM says, what if Pep stays for another three years? Still got to deliver it. Because for me, although Man City will be my favourites, and I will go to some extent against, I will go to some extent against what I previously said, that in previous seasons I've said, you know, Man City are favourites. I can't necessarily expect Arsenal to win the league. I can't necessarily expect Arsenal to win the Champions League if I think somebody is better than us. Absolutely. However, when you've had this amount of time, and then you get this next contract and you've had this next level of investment, which will come with that next contract. This contract is about, is he the guy? Is Arteta the man that can take Arsenal from competing with Manchester City, competing with Liverpool on a consistent, established basis? Can he take that team like Klopp did, which again, Liverpool, never a favourite to win in the competitions that they were in, Never, ever, ever. But Jurgen Klopp was able to take Liverpool and win the title and win the Champions League despite not being that favourite. And the reality is that Arsenal are probably never going to be the favourites whilst Man City are in their current incantation or incarnation is probably the better word. And so to win it, you need to have a manager and you need to have that squad. You need to have that structure that can get you there. And so the question will be for the next contract, is Arteta going to be that guy? I think he is for the records. I think he can. I have been given so much evidence in these last four years to tell me that, yes, he is that guy because he's only gone in one way and that is upwards and that is continuing to make us into something that I think competes, that can beat City, that can beat Liverpool in games. But, yeah, this this we need to deliver something. Now, if we deliver it this season in either of those two competitions, amazing. And then you've got that tangible thing to to grab onto and to talk about. But uh, if it doesn't happen this season, in the next, which I imagine to be a three-year deal, which will probably run through until 2028, that period has to deliver, has to deliver a Premier League. And certainly it can't go backwards. Not only can it not, not only has it, has it to deliver, if that's the right phrase, not only does it have to deliver, um, but it can't go backwards. That's the other thing, of course. It cannot go, it cannot regress. We can't get worse. We can't be going downhill. We have to remain competitive. We have to keep moving in that direction, moving towards our goals. And so that's what that's what I think. That's that's where I'm at with uh, with him. So yeah, um, I hope I don't even know what the question was which sparked that. <laughs> I went off on some mad tangent, didn't I? Um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, let's go to. Um, let's go to Captain Presence. He says uh, Simeone. Has been Atletico for years, but hasn't won much. Who's going to take us to the next level if Arteta doesn't? It's certainly not Diego Simeone. I do look at um, those that call for Diego Simeone and just think, so you want a manager that's won less in the last, was it five years, um, compared to Mikel Arteta? Is that is that what you want? So I think Diego Simeone's won one trophy in six years. Arteta's won one trophy plus the Super Cups. If you want to call them that, I like calling them the Super Cups. Calling it the Community Shield makes it sound nothing. It's the English Super Cup. <laughs> it's what it is. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, Simeone's won one trophy in six years. Arteta's got one trophy in, uh, what, since 2020? So four, just over four years, around four years. So, you know, I always find it funny when people ask for Diego Simeone. It's just, it's just absent-minded in my opinion. 
um, towards Simeone at Arsenal. Uh, Lee says, I remember when Burkamp and Omri were slammed for not hitting the ground running. Give the big German man a chance. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Schaus says, Havertz has more goals than Jesus this season. Uh, Northern Gunnar says, Watkins from Villa with all his goals and assists would be fantastic for us. I'm just not sure I see that happening. I mean, he cost a huge amount of money and then he has to be a success straight away because he's of an age in which you haven't got the time to grow has to be a success immediately um and i think i think villa would be wanting a huge huge sum of money uh, rob says do you think arteta's strategy and focus for the first half of the season was defensive certainty in the second half of the season is attacking fluidity it seems like a contrast and necessary after the end of last season's capitulation without question rob you know this whole season at the start of the season was about working out how we build the foundations of a title charge while still trying to win enough games to stay in it he was successful in that first half of the season doing that he has turned this into an absolute monster. Arsenal are a monster of a club, of a team, of a squad. And our mentality, our philosophy, our defensive rigidity, our attacking threat have all been as a consequence of what we did in the first half of the season. Last season, we blitzed teams at the beginning, but we didn't necessarily learn in the same way that we've learned this season. We rode the wave of momentum we rode the wave of form. And then when the going got tough, we didn't have the minerals. We didn't have the resources or the depth or you could argue the mentality maybe to get it over the line. This season, it has not been kind of boom and then down. This season has been like a slow upward exponential curve, which is eventually now taking off. That's how it's felt. There's been some peaks in that little curve, like the win over Man City um and some of the other victories we've had but it's been a slow upwards curve and that that is important for me uh let's go to jalali says late to the party again similar travel mayhem to utc back home by 2 a.m thanks for the show as always my pleasure mate uh luke shaw says what do you think about loaning uh managers imagine pep on loan at everton and deutsche city <laughs> yeah definitely not something that's going to happen um plamen says Arteta will be the first to win four titles in a row wow that would be quite the the, the achievement if he managed to do that I, I i mean i love it i love it um but yeah difficult uh verminatoro says um what was in the powerpoint presentation before the game surely bruno and that goal at st james's park maybe i'd be interested to know how much of that newcastle result was involved in um was involved in the uh the pre-match talk i would i'd be really interested to, to see that uh Fuad says uh provided they're fully fit which if any of the returning injured players would you bring straight back to the first 11 uh it's a great question and the answer is probably none right now. You have to look at the team and you have to go, well, they're going to go onto the bench and then they've got to work their way back into the team. They've got to build up their fitness. They've got to earn their right. You know, I fully fit Yuri and Timber, I think is amazing. Um, and I think really does do things, something quite special, this team, if he's fully fit and fully ready, but he's not going to be that probably this season, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see. None of them is the answer. None of them yet. They come back, they go onto the bench, they, they, they might get a couple of starts here and there as we rotate between games and change things up between games. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a great question because I don't think any of them necessarily do straight away. You maybe say Zinchenko sometimes because him and Kivior, he is a lot better than Kivior. But I, I've really liked what Kivior's done. So that would be really, really harsh. Uh, Oki says, could we please, please, please stop talking like we've already won anything? If we can navigate the Porto return leg, we can all gloat about our form and future. Until then, it's just hype. No, I'm not going to do that because I quite like enjoying life. If you live your life, this is going to get deep, guys. <laughs> if you live your life in a way in which you just don't want to celebrate the now and because you're too scared of what might happen in the future, just maybe you've only got one. You get one. Once it's done, it's over. And so I have waited for Arsenal to compete and be competitive and to challenge for half of my lifetime. The last time Arsenal were truly competitive and looked like they might take on the biggest teams at the top of the table was, you know, back when we were actually winning the title. And we got to the Champions League final in 2006, but we weren't competing in the league that year. And we were excellent in the Champions League. And, you know, we beat Real Madrid and, you know, managed to 
get past a nervy semi-final against Villarreal and and get to the final against Barcelona. And, you know, even then we weren't... I'd argue that this team would have a better chance of winning that Champions League final than our Champions League team in 2006. Now, that's a hell of a question. Uh, Maybe one for another day. Would this Arteta team have a better chance of winning that 2006 Champions League final than that 2006 Champions League team? Bear in mind, we had a lot of injuries that day and players weren't available. But uh, I've waited for half my life for Arsenal to be this good again. And so I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to live it. I'm going to hype it. I'm going to talk about it in glowing terms. And if it falls apart like it did last season, it falls apart like it did last season. And we reflect and we look back. But do you know what I reflected and looked back upon last season at the end of it? even though I was gutted. I look back on Bournemouth game when we won that in the last minute. I look back on the being in Chicago with the Chicago Gooners and watching the Southampton game. And even though we didn't win that game, we drew 3-3. The rallying of, of that team to come back and, and not lose it. I look back on the, the home win over Liverpool when Saka scored that penalty. I look back on the win at Spurs where... Aaron Ramsdale was assaulted by a moron and Granite Xhaka had to be held back by Mikel Arteta. I look back on the successes of the season. I look back on how well we played and I look back on the lessons that we learned and I look back on enjoying every moment. I look back on celebrating in the Aston Villa press box and then turning around to see some stuff going on. (laughs) Um, I remember losing my mind at some of the games that we played and I remember some of the goals that we scored. And I certainly never, ever regret not enjoying those moments. I never, ever look back at those games and think, oh, goodness me, what an idiot I was. Can't believe I celebrated that so wildly. Can't believe I enjoyed that so much because we ultimately we didn't win the league. I look back on last year as one of my favourite seasons ever. Manchester United won the League Cup in comedic fashion. Sorry, Luke, in the chat box. Um, I wouldn't swap that season for that season. I wouldn't swap Manchester United season last year for the season we had and what it's brought and what it, what's come from it. Not in a cat and L's chance. Never would I swap last season for what Manchester United. And that's why the likes of the League Cup is not the be-all and end-all. That's why sometimes trophies aren't the be-all and end-all because sometimes it is about the journey. Sometimes it is about where we're going. And I think that Arsenal are going to places quicker than Manchester United. And that's why I wouldn't swap that last season, despite crumbling and falling apart, with what Manchester United had and getting to the League Cup final and winning it. And did they not get to an FA Cup final, I think, as well? Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. And I, when I see comments like this, Mocky, and I'm sorry that I feel like I'm targeting you. I'm not, so I apologise for that. But when I see comments like this that say, can we please, please, please stop talking like we've already won anything? My answer is no. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to talk about Arsenal for what they are, which is a really, really good team. But it's playing really, really good football with some impressive players, with an impressive coach that are going places, that are doing things I dreamed Arsenal would do 10 years ago and were miles off it and never looked like getting back there. So, Oki, my answer to you is no. I'm not going to stop talking like I am talking. And I am enjoying this with every ounce of my being. And whether that means getting stuck in traffic and getting over at 3 a.m. like I did last night and still getting up at 7 a.m. to make this show and talk about it for more than an hour, which I definitely did not plan on doing. I was like, I said to G, I was like, I'll be done in 20 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> when I get this show done I'm going back to bed but now no because this is what football does this is what Arsenal does this is what it does to me and I love it and I love every ounce of it thank you for listening people I hope you have a fantastic Sunday and enjoy yourselves and uh, in basking that victory and enjoy that victory if you could drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel I'd be very much appreciated um, I'm going to allow Oki a response because I've just seen his post and went to the chat Oki says your channel Tom you do what you like uh, the comment was more aimed at our, an old mate who said that we were on for four league titles in a row after we rolled over a poor Newcastle side. That's fine, but that isn't what you said. <laughs> so just bear that in mind. Um, 
thank you guys uh much love to all of you have a fantastic day and um bask in that win help us to get to 1000 likes there's over a thousand of you watching so if everyone watching this right now was to like it right now we'd actually hit our target um so thank you i'll be back tomorrow morning bright and early 8 a.m to bring you all the latest arsenal news from the last 24 hours and a roundup of the weekend's action of course too um thank you stay safe stay well stay respectful and stay enjoying life please and as always up the arsenal It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.